the Sports Talk with Devin Wade recap. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Welcome to another Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, briefcast number 14. As we keep this thing going, starting to uh, do more and more podcasts, I want to certainly thank you for tuning in and checking us out and uh, checking us out on a more regular basis as I'm trying instead of the full episodes, which we have some more coming probably early next week. I think uh, we'll get with either Biscuit or Eddie Robinson and do a full-fledged episode. But I've been coming to you guys with the briefcast. If you hadn't had a chance to check out a full episode, please do so. Please check us out and see all the bells and whistles that come with a regular episode instead of just me doing what I do, which I hope is enough in the interim. And uh, I hope you're enjoying these things. If you are, if you aren't, let me know. On Twitter, at WadesWord, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. And on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. And uh, that way you can be interactive and let me know. So I certainly appreciate it. we been getting some feedback. And I love it when you guys go on SoundCloud and leave comments. And I need to check the, the comments on iTunes as well. Tune in. I, I've been having a few problems with tune in, but you guys, I'm working on that end. But there's so many places to get the podcast. Just Google it if you want to tell a friend. Just say, hey, just Google Sports Talk with Devin Wade and all the various platforms, including Stitcher and some of the others, Blueberry and uh, so I think RadioFM.com or something like that. And, of course, on KTSU Radio, the flagship for me, for yours truly, those are ways to reach out and get it and share it and tell your friends about it. In addition to that, ways uh, you can be interactive as well. So I'll know what you're thinking, what you like, and what you do not like. want to send shouts out to the fellas from Strictly Talking. Hashtag, we're Team Jaguar. You'll have to go back to the last briefcast to uh, the Lamont Award to know exactly what I uh, am talking about. So go back and check those out and uh, have some fun with those. This time out, a number of things I want to get into. I want to uh, get into the Rockets and Golden State last night. I also want to get into some NFL talk. I, you know, so much is going on in the NFL. I think I'm going to narrow it down and talk to talk about a couple of teams. And I'll have a Lamont Award recipient and uh, this one is not surprising, although it's, it's a soft Lamont Award. This is not a full-fledged, diamond-crusted Lamont Award. We're going to give out a soft Lamont Award with some qualifications. So that's coming up. And But first, I want to get into last night's game. Had a chance to see the Golden State Warriors avoid the season sweep. And what we saw last night was a new dimension, a dimension we thought was there for Golden State with the acquisition of Boogie Cousins. But we saw him go sort of old school big man. And I think that that helps that team out quite a bit. Of course, Golden State played without Durant. But they controlled the game for the most part. But the Rockets made a frantic run at the end and nearly took the game in the, to overtime. What does this mean? What, I, I know that Steph Curry said that they wanted to make a statement. Hard to make a statement if all your guns aren't there. Even if you do win, I think not having Durant there, you want both of those teams to be fully loaded. And we've seen uh, for all four games this series, some uh, someone of significance hadn't been there. Curry missed the first one. And then I think uh, Chris Paul missed one. And then Harden missed the last one. And last night, Durant missed the last one. I think what it does do, it provides for a, a really good teaser for the Western Conference Finals. I, I just really think that there's enough there 
of course, you you know, a lot of times it's so easy and probably so lazy on our part to say, well, it doesn't matter. When Golden State needs to flip a switch, they need to flip a switch. But we've seen that the Rockets are able to give Golden State trouble. They took them seven games last year, won three out of four in the regular season. This is, for whatever reason, a tough matchup. And Daryl Morey, who, by the way, just got a five-year extension, and I've had a, a, a off-and-on sort of opinion of him, but by and large, man, this guy, you got to give him his credit. you got to give him his credit in this day and age to do uh, what he's done. And really, when you didn't have anybody to attract somebody, you were able to make some things happen, get hardened. You had Dwight Howard for a while that you were able to convince to come here. Then, I mean, obviously that didn't pan out. But, again, you you put yourself back in the game, got Chris Paul. You're constantly making moves with fringe players to keep you really in the game and, and moving forward. And it seems like year in, over the last few years, you're able to add guys that can kind of give you a boost when you need one, whether it's like, like sort of journeyman kind of thing, whether it's a Gerald Green or – a free agent in Austin Rivers this year. And you sort of are able to find guys that fit what you're doing. But he's, by and large, you have to say he's done a, a great job understanding that there's only one champ, and that's Golden State. And then LeBron is LeBron, and the Eastern Conference is a whole different animal. So what LeBron was able to do in the Eastern Conference and how that came about is another thing. I think, obviously, if the Rockets win the East, then they would be – the, well, anyway, I'll digress from that situation, but I'll say it's only one champ, Golden State, and you have been as good at acquiring the sort of things you need to be successful as, as anybody. I think San Antonio does the best job of developing guys and utilizing guys, but again, Golden State, the way they put that team together has been amazing. So, Daryl Morey, hey, you, good for you. You got the extension, and okay, you lose a, a game last night, 106-104, Okay, so that's fine. But now, you know, we're headed down the stretch. Uh, look at it for what it is, and I think it does tease a, a Western Conference final. Now, you have some impediments on, on along the way if you're the Rockets. And at some point, Oklahoma, you may cross paths with them. At some point, uh, there are other teams that are like Denver that, you know, we'll have to see. You have to get past those to get to the champ. But I think it does make for a very interesting Western Conference final. And in a sort of year where – LeBron and his antics or his team's antics and or his sort of destruction of the L.A. Lakers has sucked up so much oxygen in the room. I think the Rockets have gone under the radar for the most part, which is good for them. And I think it's been a whole hum year outside of that Laker fiasco and really talking about free agency coming up this summer that Golden State is kind of able to just kind of cruise along doing what they do. And the Rockets are, are, you know, able to do what they do. And so that nine-game winning streak came to a halt last night. But if you can rebound from that and keep playing, you won't catch them for the number one seed after losing last night. But, hey, either way it goes, you're going to have to go to Oracle. And I think Golden State knows that it's a pretty safe bet that you're going to have to come to the Toyota Center to get to the NBA Finals. Let's talk NFL. Wow, the NFL is absolutely – it's just super exciting to see – All of the changes that are taking place, all the players that are changing hands, all of the monies that are being paid out to these guys. It has been a really exciting NBA-style offseason for uh, the NFL. And this is even before 
the draft takes place. So this is just free agency. We still have a draft coming up. But I tell you what, a lot of people break down these situations into winners and losers. And I think there's a lot of nuance when we talk about certain teams in certain situations. So I, I think they're winners, losers, non-losers, and, and I think winners. Let's get into who are the winners. I think the biggest winner, before we get into any, any individual team, uh, are the players. The players are winning out big time. A lot of money being paid out. A lot of guys are getting really get a lot of guaranteed money that hadn't happened before. A lot of guys making big money on one-year deals. And a lot of players who you wouldn't think are deserving of um, these large contracts are getting them. And so you celebrate them for getting their money. So say, hey, you know, like, hey. Get yours. I said it last time, you know, get your money, boo-boo. But <laughs> so I got that from somewhere, and I, it escapes me at the moment. But anyway, so you, you look at the players getting their money, and that's a big, big deal. And I think that's great for these guys who put their lives and their health on the line each and every Sunday. So I never want to make light of that. And I think furthermore, look, I want to I wanna say this, and I want to make this kind of clear. There are two levels of a conversation. There's the reality of a situation, which it comes down to men who are making generational wealth for themselves and their families. And I think that if you view it in just those terms, you can have different types of discussions. And then there's the football fan vantage point, and that's sort of where I come in. There's no doubt that guys do things and make moves and make maneuvers so they can get paid and do what's best for themselves and their families. And that's one prism in which to look at these situations, whether it's Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and I think, you know, if you look at it in just those terms, that was, that's one type of conversation you can have. But on the other hand, when you t- think of, of the rah-rah football fan, this is what we the fans sort of want to see. This is what the game is about type conversations. We can have those conversations as well. Because, again, at the end of the day, how, unless you do something really, really unethical, I think you can do some things that are not cool. But if you're not doing anything, I think if you don't do anything amoral, even if it's sort of uh, unethical, I think, you know, you can't okay it or, or poo-poo it, but you can understand some of the, in reality, the moves that guys are making. Whether it's sort of Antonio Brown, you know, throwing the whole organization under the bus, sort of throwing fits so he can get out and make more guaranteed money. Or if it's a guy making the decision to sit out and not not show up and sort of tell his teammates he's coming but doesn't show up, but yet he's doing this for his family and his money, I get it. I understand it. But for the purposes of how we discuss things, I do want to discuss it from a – uh, from a fan team league kind of standpoint, so I don't want you. I don't want it ever to be confused that I'm not pro player and these guys getting their money because I, I really am. At the end of the day, people always in, in disputes. People tend to always side with the owners in the situation. And what I tell people all the time: so any strike you can think of, players have uh, people have sided with the owners over the players eventually because they don't care what guys make. They just want the product. But this is what I always say. Think about it like this. The NFL, Major League Baseball, uh, NBA. It's a huge pie of millions and millions and millions of dollars. What the players are talking about are how big their percentage of the pie is going to be, whether that's in a labor dispute or an individual sort of uh, lobbying for bigger contracts and working to get bigger contracts. It's, It's how big your slice of the pie is. Understand this. The players will never own the pot. So NFL owners are always going to guarantee in the collective bargaining agreement to make money. 
The NBA, same thing. The, the owners are going to make money. The, and, and I tell you what, if you paid every single player in the NFL the league minimum, the price of parking is not going to go down. The price of luxury suites are not going to go down. The price of merchandise is not going to go down. You still are going to have to pay $11 for a beer because, again, they're going to make their money. And they're going to they're gonna charge you as much as they can get away with PSLs. All of those things will still take place if a guy made 50 cents to go out and play. So never, ever get mad at the players because they just want a larger piece of the pie because, after all, they are the labor force. They are putting their bodies and their health and their brains on the line. And so you never really, if, if you there's ever a, a strike in a labor dispute, Really of any kind. I always side with the, the workforce. I always side with the labor force. And obviously you have to have owners to front a lot of money. You have to have uh, uh, organizations and businesses to front the money. So I understand that. But when you're talking about the, the billions and billions of dollars that's being made off the backs of these young men in college and in the NFL, I think it, it, you have to say, hey, if anything that the players are doing to better their conditions and get a larger piece of the pie – Let's roll with that because the NFL is not going out of business, okay? The NBA not going out of business. They all just want a bigger slice of a pie that's already there. It's a big pizza. They just want more pieces of the pizza. They won't own the pizza. They'll never own the pizza. It's not, you know, by design, it's never going to be where the labor force owns everything. So, and I get that. And you want owners to make money and, and reinvest and make a profit and whatever. You want everybody to win. You want everyone to win, so I get it, um, but let's always keep that in mind when these labor disputes come up. And uh, oh, no player deserves uh, seventeen million dollars to play football. Yeah, I agree. But until you get thirty-five thousand people paying uh, seventy-five dollars a head to watch a biology teacher teach a class, then it's, it's going to be this way. Ideally, you want the people who protect our society, our soldiers, our teachers, our educators. Our you, you want those people. To, to make the most money, but that's not how the world is set up. Um, so no one, you know, uh, really can fathom a guy making $14 million a year to catch a football or run a football, but at the same time, it's supply and demand. We want to watch it. Those guys are, are going to get that money because millions and millions of people pay to watch these guys do what they do. So that being said, that's one thing. Good for them. They are always the winners in the situation, I think. Unlike baseball, where the salaries are sort of stagnating and the guys are not or having to wait and in some cases not getting the money that they were previously accustomed to getting, NFL is going up, 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 and away like the fifth dimension. So that being said, let's get to the individual team winners. The Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are having a phenomenal, a phenomenal offseason. You have acquired assets like Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, Odell Beckham Jr. and Kareem Hunt. Let's not forget about Kareem Hunt. He may have to serve four to eight games, maybe even a season, but at some point, this guy's going to be on your team. You add that to Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, and Joe, David Njoku, the tight end, uh, Miles Garrett on defense. I mean, this team, it, it looks like on paper that they have surged ahead in the AFC North and fundamentally changed the way things look. To that, I said, man, I'm excited for that organization, and I'm excited for that city's fan base. And it's exciting to see John Dorsey really take advantage of all of the 
uh, assets acquired by Sashi Brown, who was fired, the previous GM. He acquired all these assets. Dorsey's using them and using them masterfully if they win to make the Cleveland Browns a competitive team in the AFC. I think it's hugely exciting, and I think it makes it makes that team more relevant than they've been since uh, Ernest Biner and, and Mac and Bernie Kosar and that gang. And before that, Brian Sipe and the Cartier kids with uh, Sam Retigliano as coach. I'm going way back to AFC Central days. But I, like I said, I'll say that this team is really relevant and it's really exciting. One little problem here, or potential problem. You have a rookie head coach in Freddie Kitchens who has never run an NFL team before, and now you have some mighty large personalities to deal with, whether you're talking about uh, Odell Beckham Jr., who I cannot cannot imagine, other than playing with Jarvis Landry, I cannot imagine he's excited about playing in Cleveland. Because, again, after he signed that huge deal with the New York Giants, what did he say? Oh, the West Coast looks nice to me. Or, or something I'm paraphrasing. The, the, and I'm talking about the famous interview with he alongside um, uh, Lil Wayne uh, with Josina Anderson. And I tell you what, <laughs> you know, I give you all of this money and excite my fan base by committing to you. And what do you do? You talk about the West Coast. So I think Cleveland are clear winners if you can manage Odell Beckham Jr.'s personality. If things don't go right, what about Baker Mayfield? We've seen him throw one coach under the bus. We've seen him do some things that are kind of shady. He's he, not a high-character guy. Doesn't see, I mean, you can go back on that, but not a high-character guy. And if things don't go well, this guy can go off and be disruptive and throw another coach under the bus. So there's some personalities to manage. And but I don't know that he is – we don't know what kind of coach he is. We don't know how he'll lead this team. Obviously, the team picked up their performance uh, after uh, really Greg Williams took over as interim head coach and, and Kitchens took over as the play caller on offense. But, again, that's one dimension. And we'll, we'll have to see how this goes. So, I think on paper, personnel-wise, it looks great. Once you throw in the coach, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's going to work. We'll have to see, and let's see. Let's really see what Baker Mayfield is about. Uh, if his feelings were just hurt, and he just had it in for Hugh Jackson. Which I, again, I go back to this: Hugh Jackson did the right thing for Baker Mayfield, and you'll see why. I guarantee you, I, and I really, really feel like you'll see why. You, he tried to humble the kid and have the kid come into this league and understand what this league is about. Because uh, again, he's an arrogant dude. And it, you know, it weirds me out that some people have no problem with his swagger, but they have problems with other folks' swagger. I mean, if other quarterbacks did what he did, they would be thrown under the bus. People would just destroy them. But for whatever reason, oh, we, I like the cut of his jib. That's the guy, you know, he, he, you know, he's a determined guy. He's a winner. He's going to do it his way, and I don't see anything wrong with that. Look, we'll find out because I guarantee you he's going to – if he turned on one head coach – because his feelings were hurt, he'll turn on another. Now, he may, he could, and he will mature at some point and learn, hey, the, the league is the league, and, you know, it's not about disloyalty to go work for the Cincinnati Bengals. You, you're getting a job where you can get a job, and hopefully he'll wake up and learn that. But until then, Freddie Kitchens, you better watch out. You got the gig. Let's see how long you're in favor. Because, again, as his popularity and his celebrity grows, 
So does the ego. And now you have a guy and a, a team leader. I was not maybe not a team leader, but a guy you would say is probably the best player on that team, regardless of position. Maybe you can make a case for you, know, you have to say I think Miles Gary may be the guy ultimately that that will surpass him. But as far as a guy with talent on that team, Odell Beckham Jr. is a leader. How much leadership will he show Baker Mayfield? Who's going to really run the locker room in that situation? We'll, we'll have to see. So I think that while they went, the winners on paper, again, you worry about what that locker room is going to look like and what all those personalities look like, uh, will look like. Now, I think if you want to keep it in the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers, are, are they? I don't think they're losers. I think they're non-losers. They're not winners, but they're non-losers. I think what you did, think about this, and I, I think I mentioned this in the previous briefcast. You took a six-round draft pick, got 11,000 yards out of him, 74 touchdowns, said it before, and, and then you parlay that guy into, uh, as a 31-year-old wide receiver, you parlay that six-round pick into a third and a fifth after years of production that really created a lot of success for your franchise. So I think if you look at it like that, yeah, that's that's a good thing. And to get rid of somebody who's going to be disruptive in your locker room, I think that is good. You lose on the talent because he's an undeniable talent. He's a remarkable player. I mean, I just, hey, I love A.B. on the field. Uh, some of the stuff that he's done and, and a couple other things he, he did too. And not, I want to go off on a bit of a tangent here. I looked at the shop again, and one thing he did do, and they were making fun of Jerry Rice's chicken commercials, and he made fun, called Shannon Sharp a clown, and said he didn't need the NFL when every dollar he's ever made in his uh, his adult life has been football-related, if not from the Steelers, from endorsements he got because he's a football player. To say you don't need football, come on, man. You mean, let's, let's not do that. And the other thing is, don't dare throw those guys under the bus when they are the reason why you're able to get all that guaranteed money that you got. Because, again, you're standing on the shoulders of guys who had to fight through labor disagreements, who did not get the guaranteed money, yet made the game immensely popular. To, I mean, gave it the sort of success it has where you can pay all of these guys. I don't like that. And you rarely see that. But I, you know, and and let's see where he let's let's look him up in about twenty thirty nine. And if you tell me he will have no affiliation with football whatsoever, I wouldn't believe it. He'll either be on television doing commercials. He'll be doing something uh, twenty years from now uh, that's that's related to the sport of football. That's his claim to fame, football. And so he'll be affiliated with football from now on, moving forward. And so that little part I didn't like. But on the field, he'll be a definite loss for this team. But let's look at what's left behind. Let's let's not even – we can count Le'Veon Bell, but you can't because he didn't play last year. So if you say, well, we didn't have Le'Veon last year, Connor gave us some quality until he got hurt, got the concussion, and got banged up. And that's the depth is really what hurt them. I mean, obviously nobody can replace Le'Veon on the field for all the things he's able to do for an organization. But I do think let's not count him for the second because you didn't have him last year. You lose him. You lose Jesse James, the tight end. But you get peace in your locker room. You give a guy like James Washington, who is going in his second year, an opportunity. Nobody's going to replace A.B. on the field. But this is what I want to say about the wide receiver situation. And, by the way, the Steelers added Dante Moncrief for, uh, I think, a one-year deal. That happened today So from uh, from Jacksonville. So not a huge pickup 
just another body. You still have Ryan Switzer, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Washington is a guy. You have Eli Rogers, who I, I think is still able to give you some things as a receiving core. But I looked at this. When you think about Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham Jr., I looked at the matchups of the last five Super Bowls. There's only one top five receiver that's been in, in the Super Bowl Maybe maybe you can make a case for Robert Woods this year. But out of 10 teams, out of 10, 10 teams, two, two per year in the Super Bowl, there's only been one top five receiver, and that's Julio Jones. What you have had is a lot of really good receiving cores. Well, if you want to go to Seattle or New England uh, with Edelman, and, and you could talk about their use of Gronkowski and at one point Amendola and those guys. In the last five Super Bowls, the best receiver has been Julio Jones. So it's proven that you don't need a marquee guy to get to the Super Bowl. I think I love what big-name receivers do, and I think they sell tickets and excite fan bases, and they create a threat that can open up the field for you. But you look at New England, a receiving core. You look at Carolina, you had a receiving core. You look at uh, a team like well, Atlanta again had Julio, so you have to give them credit. You look at Philadelphia, a core receivers, no superstars on, on that team. Uh, you look at some of the others. I, you know, I was looking at them the other day. The last five receiving uh, cores in the Super Bowl, and really, uh, let's see, the Rams had, had a, have a pretty good core. Uh, the Denver Broncos, you had Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, you had a core. And, and you know, of course, Seattle. So you don't have to have a marquee receiver to win it all. It's nice to have, and I think it's good for the regular season, and, and it's, a, it's good for you. It's good all the way around to have it, but you don't need it to get to the Super Bowl. So if you think by just getting Odell Beckham Jr. or just getting Antonio Brown are going to get you to the Super Bowl, that's not. That that's not a guarantee at all. So I think you can't. While you can't replace his production and what he does for you, I think that you can have a situation where where a lot of guys can step up in his place to try to make up for some of that. Same thing with Le'Veon Bell. So I don't think that they were losers in the situation. Let's see what they get out of draft picks. They do. I mean, think about this: from Plaxico Burrs to Montavious Bryant to Emmanuel Sanders to Santonio Holmes. They have always gotten rid of quality receivers and been able to replace them. And remember, Antonio himself was a six-round draft pick. Now, you're not going to do that every day, but they've been able to find guys to give them production at the wide receiver position. And, uh, you know, i tell you what, and I want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers a little bit later on. Uh, I want to give out a hero award to the Steelers organization. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. I think another team that is – not a loser in this situation is the New York Giants. I think the New York Giants, they have lost a lot from Landon Collins to Olivier Vernon uh, to Odell Beckham Jr. But let's look at that. Those guys weren't winning with them. And I, although I thought the offense wasn't as bad as people, I think Eli Manning is the easiest target in the world to have. He he looks, he's almost like the Jack Pardee kind of thing. And if you if you're an older uh, Oilers fan, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Coaches that sort of just look, they don't, they look confused. Jim Caldwell was a guy that, he, and, and it, it was no real indication of their knowledge or how they handle themselves, but just, you didn't, just to look at him didn't breed confidence. Party was a guy like that. I think Adam Gase is a guy like that, <laughs> and who, the New, New York Jets coach. And there are certain guys that just don't look the part. McAdoo. 
for the New York Giants, and some of these guys really didn't know what they were doing. But I think when you look at the situation like that, the offense wasn't as bad. Now, clearly, <laughs> you can debate, and, and I will take my arrows, and, and I'm not going to die on this hill, but Eli Manning is not one of the top 10 worst quarterbacks in the NFL. But you're still not winning with him. He's on the downside. He's 38 years old. You weren't winning with him. You made a commitment to Odell Beckham. He still wasn't happy. But you still have some offensive parts. You have Saquon Barkley. You have Evan Ingram at tight end. You have Sterling Shepard. And you can add some wide receivers. You have the uh, a, a 17th, uh, the 17th pick in addition to whatever else you had in the first round. You weren't winning with him. You had a lot of things on the defensive side of football, that uh, a lot of uh, deficiencies that you're going to have to address. So you can address those and, and try to fill some of the gaps left by the departure of those guys. And then you know that and either this year or next year you'll have a rookie quarterback. Why would I pay and deal with the headache that is Odell Beckham for the next few years if I know we're not winning anyway? Conversely, like I said, if you can put something together, you're going to need more assets. And by getting rid of Odell and his salary, although you had to leave some dead money, uh, I, I, you can sort of try to address some of those things. I just think that the way it was is if you're not happy and we're going to definitely go through a transition, I guess we can get away. I, I would not have done it. I don't think I would have done it. Uh, but I, that, that's not a... It's not as terrible as people making it out to be. I think it's, it feels like you should have got more for him. It, it just feels like that. Same with Antonio Brown. You feel like you should have been able to get more, but you weren't able to. So, uh, you know, I, again, I don't think they were losing. Either one of those teams are losers in that situation. I think a losing team are uh, the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens added Earl Thomas and Mark Ingram in the backfield. But, I mean, you lose C.J. Mosley, Terrell Suggs. You lose some big pieces uh, on that defensive side of the football. And, quite frankly, that's the recipe for winning if you are the Baltimore Ravens. you got to have a solid defense and, and really get enough production out of your, your quarterback and your running game. And I just don't know that they've helped themselves at all. They lost too many really important pieces on a defense that was a really good, high-quality defense. And, and that defense will have to get even better with all of this offensive talent coming into that division, I think as it stands, I don't think that you can pencil in Cleveland as as the winner of the AFC North yet. Uh, but I think that definitely Pittsburgh, from a talent standpoint, and I think that Baltimore has taken, taken a step back. And then I think Cincinnati is Cincinnati. So I think Cleveland will be in the mix. I'm just I won't pencil them in yet. Uh, there are too many variables, and we'll have to see what happens. And then after all, Cleveland is Cleveland. I do want to talk about a couple teams that are non-winners. I think uh, the Chiefs can be considered maybe, not, if not losers, non-winners. When you think about you sign uh, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, but you cut Eric Berry and you trade a D four to the 49ers. While you know, I don't see that as a win or loss. I think it's more of, uh, of the same. I still think that that team uh, has a few more moves to make, especially depth at running back. I think some things can happen there to make them a, a, a more of a sure shot. Because again, right now on paper, they are probably uh, my favorites to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC. Now, I mean, again, we have a long way to go. We have to draft. We have more moves to make. But, again, I don't think that they've helped themselves, although Eric Berry hadn't played in forever. Uh, but I think he was still a team leader for them by all accounts. And I think you lose D Ford. I don't think that, that that's a win or a loss 
for that team, uh, even with some of the moves they made. And I think the New York Jets, the New York Jets are not a team that are winners. You sign Le'Veon Bell, and I, that'll help you for sure. But you still have Sam Darnold at quarterback. And, I mean, okay, he's he's feeling his way out, and he's making his way through. Uh, they release uh, Isaiah Crowell. And, and so, you know, it'll be Le'Veon Bell, and that's, that's great. But I don't think that you've done anything to really upset the power structure in the AFC East. I think it's still going to be New England. New England added uh, um, uh, Michael Bennett, maybe Martellus Bennett. Uh, they uh, they lost some. They lost Trey Flowers. They lost some guys. I mean, so it's they lost Trey Flowers uh, to the the D- Detroit Lions. You lost Trent Brown for four years, sixty six million to the Oakland Raiders. So they have some losses, but you have to believe that. And right now, you still, as long as Brady's up and walking, and Bill Belichick is the coach. You still have to believe that they are favorites in that division. I don't see adding a guy uh, like Le'Veon Bell is going to upset that in and of itself. Although, let's see, what else did they add? They, they did resign defensive end Henry Anderson for three years, $25 million. So, you know, again, I think it's exciting for their fan base and good for Sam Darnold's development. But that in and of itself is not going to get it done. They added C.J. Mosley. I think that's a big, big deal. But I am do you feel like you know an, an, another brand new coach? Do you feel like they can get it done? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I really don't know. But I do know that I will get more into uh, the Texans and to New Orleans and some of the other teams around the NFL. But I wanted to just sort of address a couple of those uh, today. But w- with these briefcasts, I can start to talk about um, more and more of this sort of thing each and every day. Want to do some, something now where I give out a. Hero Award. Hero. Now, for the Hero Award, I want to. I always try to. We do enough bashing, and, and I'm good at that. But because it's a lot of foolishness going around, and we do have a Lamont Award to give out. But I will give out a Hero Award to the Pittsburgh Steelers because while people are bashing them for not paying Le'Veon Bell, for not uh, really ha- taking better care of uh, Antonio Brown, they have taking care of Ryan Shazier. Ryan Shazier went out a year before last with a neck injury. He struggled to learn how to walk again, and he's he'll never play again. And, but he's, you know, around the team trying to be sort of a, a uplifting force for them. But he, he will never play again. But yet, the Pittsburgh Steelers have will pay him on the physically unable to perform on the pup list, and they will pay him his 2019 salary. Now, what that does is not only give him money that they didn't have to pay, it also makes sure that he has NFL insurance and he has a tremendous amount of health problems and will for the rest of his life due to a football-related injury suffered while he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And for the Pittsburgh Steelers to take care of him and pay him for another year and help him work towards his pension, I think that makes that organization, at least in this regard, heroes. And so... Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, you are a hero. hero. Well, if you're going to have the good, you got to have the bad. It's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. Well, the Lamont Award is given out to somebody who does something really, really stupid. And I do have, and I want to make sure I have all my ducks in a row when I give out the Lamont Award to some of these uh, universities 
uh, for giving out fake scholarships or you know getting kids in to fake play sports with the whole college admissions uh, scandal that's going on now with the, the the celebrities and rich people paying to get their kids into college. I, they they have a, a Lamar Wood coming. Theirs will be uh, diamond crusted. It'll be platinum. It'll be the best Lamar Wood ever. So that's coming. But today's Lamar Wood is to the face of a franchise quarterback Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson videotaped himself and posted it on social media of himself driving with no seatbelt on, apparently, and driving 108 miles an hour or something like that and just racing through traffic. And so you're videotaping yourself doing this while you're driving, going 108 miles and putting this on social media. This is why it's a soft Lamar Award. I don't want to go old man and be like, oh, you should slow down, young man. Don't drive so fast. I don't, I don't want to do that. But you should. My, my whole issue is, and I've said this, look, quarterback is, the, is a different position. It's a different animal from being uh, any other player. You're the face of the franchise. It's the most important position of all in all sports. It's the most important position. In all, only 32 of them in the entire world. And you, they've invested in you. They've traded Joe Flacco. They've gotten rid of him to say that you are the guy. You're the future. You are the leader of men. You are the you're the best of the best. And we believe in you to guide and direct our organization. And you, which are, I, let me, I'm a, I'll dial it back. Being stupid. Now again, this is why it's assault. He's young, and a lot of young people do a lot of really, really dumb things. Saw here in Houston a, a couple kids just got killed, or one got killed, one nearly dead last night. And 16, 17-year-old speeding and, and probably driving impaired or whatever. I, we don't know that yet. But, uh, you know, you see kids do stupid, stupid things. This is a stupid, stupid thing. It's because you're a quarterback. You got to know better. You got to do better. I won't hit him too, too hard. But as the face of that franchise, you have a responsibility. And we've seen in the tragedy of Jerome Brown, and we've seen guys like uh, Jason Williams in basketball on a motorcycle, and Texas Southern's very own Trey Walker, who, again, playing around on a motorcycle, uh, in Jason Williams' uh, situation, he he ended his career because of, of really of injury. Uh, but with Trey Walker, he lost his life. Jerome Brown lost his life. These things can have a tragic end. You're not invincible, and I know a lot of young people do uh, things, and I know I've done it. I've done it, so I don't want. I mean, as a youth, I did it, so I don't want to come down too hard on him. But you you need you need this kind of. Uh, response and you need people to kind of give you the business because you have the world, whole wide world in your hands. The future is bright. Your life is wonderful. I mean, it's at least in a lot of monetary ways that you can do things for your family. Life is great. Life is good. Be careful. Be a great example. And because you're a quarterback and you, you know, and, and really the social media part is the stupidest part of it. But I, I think for all of those reasons, come on, Lamar Jackson, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> With that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, want to congratulate Texas Southern. Win in the quarterfinals. Big matchup tomorrow night in the SWAC semifinals. And uh, hopefully they can get it done. I, I don't know, at some point, 
uh, U of H will open up. Uh, we'll do some stuff with basketball, and I have more NFL talk along the way. Please hit me up with your feedback on Twitter at Wade's Word, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. Many, many ways to reach out and touch me. Uh, and uh, hey, hit me up. Let me know what you think. Give me some feedback. And as always, have a great day.